Hey, church, it's Pastor Mike. Welcome to my seven-minute almost daily podcast where we're just trying to adapt to the cultural changes that we find ourselves in, the stuff the pandemic has pushed upon us, pretty much unavoidable. But we're leaning in, trying to figure out how to get better. We call it ReChurch. Hey, how you doing? This is part two of the eighth indicator that your Christianity might not be rooted in Christ, might not be rooted in the gospel. It's not uncommon. Christianity's become, it's kind of a, you know, just another world religion, sort of a moral directive for life. Jesus is uh, one of many great teachers, you know, just a good guy worth emulating. When, in fact, Jesus is God in the flesh, came in part to lay down his life to forgive, pay the penalty for, and forgive all of humanity that would choose to put their faith in him and his work. Subsequently, the Spirit of God inhabits the believer, transforms their heart into other Christ-like individuals that lay down their lives in the face of whatever, injustice, inequity, oppression, violence. The Christian yields, defers, gives up, mediates peace by giving up their life. Radically different kind of engagement with the world than just being good people. The world needs true, bona fide Christians in this gridlocked world. What I've been talking about are the indicators that we might not be rooted in the gospel in Christ the way we should be. I started number eight yesterday, which goes like this. Your Christianity may not be rooted in Christ if your goals, your causes, and your personally, even deeply held beliefs and perspectives are more important than preserving relationship. If the things in your life are more important or of greater value than the people in your life, you have gravitated away from gospel-centered, Christ-grounded Christianity. I said, it's fun to sit across the table with a friend, one that you really respect and appreciate and even enjoy. You can challenge one another. You can be mutually encouraging. That sort of relationship is phenomenal. But it's easy. Anybody can have a relationship like that. Anybody can love someone that's a lot like them. But it is a better, greater, impossible thing to do apart from Christ to sit across the table from someone with whom you rarely agree, with someone with whom you differ, maybe dramatically, and still speak well of them, still respect them, still behave generously toward them. 
That is a true mutual friendship. When you can sit across the table from what would possibly even be considered your enemy and not hate them, but respect them, even help them, right? Paul says, love your enemies. Don't take revenge. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If your enemy's thirsty, give him something to drink. What does that mean? That means you're, you're actually giving your enemy the capability to do the harm to you that they intend to do. And Jesus is saying, yes, we always care for other human beings at our own risk. We lay down our lives. So Paul says it. what happens is that you, you heap burning coals on their head when you do that. Well, what does that mean? Who knows? It, it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Whenever the Bible talks about fire, when it comes to God, it usually has a lot to do with purification. Like the, the, the molten silver that's being fired um, and the dross is coming to the top and you scrape it off, you purify the silver. Uh, it talks about um, how something would burn on your conscience, the heat of truth. So to love your enemy, to lay down your life for someone who wants to kill you does something deep spiritual within that person. You might lose your life, but they might find their way to Christ. Everything in this world that we get all hung up on, all of our causes, all of our passions, all of our politics, all of our perspectives, all of our beliefs, our values, really, they're a cauldron, they're a space, they're they're an intersection upon which The Christian has the opportunity to bring about peace, not by subduing the other person, not even by finding a treaty necessarily, but simply by laying down their life. We need more of that in the world today. My point in this particular lengthy multi-week exercise is to say, look at your own life and see if The things you care about, the things you care about, the causes you care about, the movements you care about, the philosophies that you care about, the agendas that you care about, the goals that you care about, take precedence over people. Will you break off a relationship with somebody because they don't agree or because they have a differing point of view or because they're working against you? That's not Christian. And can't you imagine what kind of impact it might have on even observers of such a thing if you were to be peaceful about giving up your position so the relationship might be secured. What the world needs are true Christians who joyfully, peacefully take the shot to the face because we know that we might be the only example of Jesus our aggressor ever experiences.